Where do you connect with other Christians? And what about those farther away or even around the world? I don't want to be rich, don't want to be popular, don't want to be selfish, no. I don't want to be a goat, don't want to be ignorant, don't want to be blindfolded, I just want to be countercultural. be violent, don't want to have a vendetta, don't want to be vengeful, no. I don't want to be a soldier, don't want to be militaristic, don't want to help that cycle, I just want to be a countercultural pacifist. I don't want to be a racist, don't want to be a capitalist, don't want to be sexist, no. I don't want to pass judgment, don't want to hold grudges, don't want to be hateful, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditional lover. I don't want to shop at Walmart, don't want to grow Monsanto, don't want to drink Coca-Cola, no. I don't want to burn petrol, don't want to eat perfect fruit, don't want to feel guilty, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving organic gardener. I want to be authentic, I want to be radical, I want to be optimistic, honest, beautiful. I want to be humble, I want to be progressive, I want to be open, I'm inspiration, I want to be like John Wesley, or Sarah Major, or Anna Mao, I want to be like Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr., like Santa Claus, Johnny Appleseed, Dirk Berlin, or Gandhi, Alexander Mack, John Klein, George Fox, or Jesus Christ, but mostly, I just want to be me. Me. Welcome to the Dunker Punks Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Nancy Fitzgerald, and we are excited to hear from Emmett Eldred, the creator of the Dunker Punks website. Emmett is currently an intern at On Earth Peace, and he attended the Ecumenical Advocacy Days, and, well, I'll let him tell you more about it. I know you will enjoy his interviews and reflection, plus a little relevant music. Hey, this is Emmett Eldred, and I'm very excited to be coming at you guys with a special bonus episode of the Dunker Punks podcast. In addition to my work with DunkerPunks.com, I also work as an intern with On Earth Peace running their social media presence. 
A few weeks ago, I represented On Earth Peace at Ecumenical Advocacy Days. It's a conference where Christians from all across the country meet in Washington, D.C. to discuss and learn about issues of justice, and then to go to Capitol Hill and talk to their representatives and senators about shaping public policy that values all people. Their theme this year was Lift Every Voice. They took that name from one of the major anthems of the civil rights movement. That's the song that you're listening to right now. This year, participants in the conference went to Capitol Hill to encourage lawmakers to restore the Voting Rights Act, which gives all people an equal voice at the table in the political process. They also wanted to encourage lawmakers to support fair trade policies that protect the rights and dignity of workers here in the United States and around the world. In the meantime, participants congregated in a hotel in Arlington, Virginia, where they attended workshops about promoting faith-based justice, attended worship services with some of the leading figures in today's justice movements, and they got to visit booths of organizations from around the country that are working to promote justice in their communities. That's where my work with On Earth Peace came in. Unfortunately, On Earth Peace did not exactly have prime real estate in the conference, so there were a lot of people at the conference that were missing out on our incredible booth. So I decided to raise awareness about On Earth Peace's presence at the conference by going out into the main areas of the conference hall and conducting interviews with people about why they think Christians should care about justice and also how they think young people can get involved in working for justice. I met a lot of people that are doing incredible work, living into scripture, following Jesus' commandments to love everyone, even our enemies. Here are just a few of the people that I talked to. Okay, so that's more than just a few people. I actually talked to about 30 people in the conference and they all had amazing thoughts on what it means to follow Jesus in promoting justice. Everyone I talked to, I approached completely at random. So I ended up talking with people from all across the country and even from around the world. In DC. I'm from the center in Baltimore. Virginia, but I'm placed in Oklahoma City. Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I'm from Philadelphia right now. From Nebraska. I'm originally from Italy, but I'm in New York. Oxon Hill, Maryland, Prince George's County. I am from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, originally from Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, but currently living in D.C. Phoenix, Arizona. I'm from Elgin, Illinois. From Syracuse, New York. Upstate New York. Uh, Detroit. Metro Detroit. From Brown Rapids, Michigan. Washington, D.C. Um, a mix of Nairobi, Kenya, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and Grand Rapids, Michigan. 
I'm from Baltimore, Maryland originally. I am from Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. Uh, I live in Oakland, California. Uh, Michigan. I'm from Nebraska. Now Gettysburg area, Pennsylvania. I'm from California, but basically from Ethiopia. California. Federal way, Washington. I come from Crozet, Virginia. And for one group, asking where they were from turned out to be more complicated than that question initially sounds. And where are you guys from? <laughs> I'll go first. <laughs> uh, currently Arlington, Virginia. Okay. Uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Currently Daejeon, Korea. As you might imagine, when thousands of people from all across the world and from many different walks of life gather together in one place, a lot of them have come for different reasons. So this was the first question that I asked the people that I interviewed. Just, why did you come to Ecumenical Advocacy Days? I found that a lot of people came because of some connection they had with their church, either because they're in denominational leadership, they're, in elite, they're leaders in their own congregation, or they just wanted to attend because they knew someone from their congregation who had attended and had a great experience. I came for a couple reasons. Um, one is that I'm a member of the United Church of Christ and I'm on national staff there and I heard about this event through them and wanted to participate. But I'm here as a local church member because I think it's important to put my faith into action. Uh, a number of things. So I'm co-chair of my conference. I'm United Church of Christ and I'm, so I'm co-chair of my conference's uh, Justice and Witness Ministries. So that's one reason. Another reason um, is I'm giving a workshop on a spirit, the spirituality of advocacy. Uh, connections with my church in Grand Rapids uh, and my college with the uh, Christian Reformed Church. Uh, someone from my congregation has been coming for quite a few years and uh, she was really fired up about uh, how this conference encourages folks to put their faith into action, uh, accessing the political levers and uh, learning more about uh, how to organize together for that. I volunteered uh, as part of our church community. So I am with the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. I'm a candidate for ordained ministry and I'm with our ELCA votes campaign with our advocacy team. And so voter rights is a more stated focus this year and they invited me to be one of the leaders. Well, today I'm here representing my church, Metropolitan Community Church of Washington, D.C. It's part of the Metropolitan Community Churches system. I've had a passion for uh, peace and justice issues and uh, work as a United Methodist pastor and our Peace with Justice coordinator in our conference uh, invited me. Many others were there for the same reason that I was there, because they were there to represent an organization that is doing some great work for peace and justice around the country or around the world. I am here representing Episcopal Peace Fellowship. I'm the executive director. A couple of reasons. I have been in the past uh, several times and found it to be very inspiring. Um, and also this year we are promoting our nonprofit uh, Opportunity Palestine, which uh, supports the Lutheran schools in the Holy Land. I am on staff for a national organization called the Center for Progressive Renewal, and we're an ecumenical. Um, organization that is focused on strengthening and building the capacity of Christian churches to live into a, a new perspective about what it is to be church and what it means to be a progressive Christian. I go to Messiah College and our Peace Fellowship Club sent five students here. Um, well, 
honestly, I had to come for work. Um, I work for a small nonprofit called Africa Faith and Justice Network, uh, which is one of the sponsors of the conference. Um, but now that I'm here, I'm, I'm super happy I'm here and I'm upset that I haven't heard about it before. Um, so yeah, so it's for work, but I, I'm growing a lot personally, I can already tell, so I'm excited to be here. I come to Ecumenical Advocacy Days every year. Um, I'm on staff at the World Student Christian Federation, um, so we have a table uh, in the exhibit hall. Uh, but I come here for several reasons. One, uh, it's because it's a community of Christians who are passionate about justice issues, um, because advocacy is one of the most important elements of our Christian faith to actually speak truth to power. Um, it's also a great place for us to recruit young people and students to um, engage in the work that we do with the student Christian movement. Um, we uh, bring together students and young adults uh, to uh, engage on faith and justice and actually speak truth to power. So this is the right place for us to be at. We're here because we want people to know about our mission experience program and invite people to come and participate with us in urban ministry in Baltimore. Uh, part of my work is with the National Council of Churches in Korea uh, and doing advocacy on behalf of the Korean Peaceful Reunification Movement. Uh, and so um, coming here to, to get my feet wet talking to people on Capitol Hill about peace and justice. Well, through the World Student Christian Federation, I'm the communication secretary, so um, that's why I'm here. And I am, I'm also very passionate about economic, um, ecumenical activism and justice and how the churches can really be powerful in changing the world. But most of all, I discovered that people wanted to come to Ecumenical Advocacy Days simply because they are passionate about issues of justice, and this is the place that they felt called to be. And after attending Ecumenical Advocacy Days, I certainly cannot blame them. This is a great opportunity to meet other Christians who are working for justice, to hear from some of the leading figures in the country and around the world about what they're doing to create justice and how you can get involved, and most of all, to be inspired spiritually, to feel the presence of God, to feel the connection of community, and to feel the inspiration of scripture as you go out and try to live like Jesus and make the world look a little bit more like the kingdom of heaven. Because social justice is something that's on my heart, and I was kind of a networking opportunity to figure out, the Lord is asking me to move on and do some other things besides make Sunday bulletins on my current job, so that's why I'm here. Yeah, um, I believe in uh, uh, supporting the disenfranchised and the marginalized group, and I've been uh, traveling to Central America, Asia, and Africa. So I have the experience and I want to involve in this one too. Yeah. Uh, I came last year at the request of my pastor and I was so invigorated by it and think it can make such a difference in our lives that I decided I'd be back this year again. Uh, mostly curiosity. Um, want to see what it's all about and how I can get involved. I am here to learn and just be blessed by what other people are coming to present. Seeking justice and peace um, and dignity for all people. Because I think it's really important to connect with all our faith-based communities and to come here to Washington, D.C.
first of all, for the many resources that I can find here, but also to meet people, my uh, people of faith, and uh, being able to share what I have to, to tell them about my faith, my beliefs, advocacy, okay, um, caring for people with different uh, color of skin. Well, my wife has been very active in this and I came along to help her out this week. Um, because justice is very important um, and a lot of people are currently oppressed and feeling uh, so much hurt in the community and uh, we need to rectify that. I came last year and loved it and since I'm local it's easy for me. Uh, I was ticked that I didn't find out in time to register last year. Uh, I followed them on Twitter um, and was getting some really great stuff and so I made a point to register um, and apply for a scholarship early this year. Well, I came last year. Um, it was my first time doing advocacy at a national level and I've been involved at the state level for a couple of years um, so I wanted to kind of get a bigger perspective. The next question I asked people was simple. Why should people of faith care about issues of justice? Pretty much everyone I talked to thought that this question was almost silly, how self-evident it is that when we read scripture, we cannot help but feel inspired to promote justice in our communities. I think this exchange sums it up really well. And why do you think people of faith should care about issues of justice? Have you read the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> Several others put it really simply. We should care about justice because Jesus did. Because Christ did. Uh, because Jesus Christ did. Well, because Jesus cared about justice. <laughs> and aren't we followers of Jesus? That logic makes a lot of sense to me. If Jesus cares about justice, and we as Christians want to be followers, disciples, believers, imitators of Christ, then how can we do anything else but also care and work for justice? Overall, the majority of people that I spoke to referenced Jesus and other parts of scripture when they explained why people of faith need to care about justice. And justice isn't something that's unique to the gospel in the New Testament. Justice is a theme that starts with the beginning of scripture. A lot of Old Testament law and a lot of the Old Testament prophets were directed towards promoting justice for all people. Micah 6.8 reads, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Um, because uh, like Philippians 2, 1-4 talks about um, what Jesus is, what, what Jesus believes were, and that is um, how we should be living our lives. And Jesus would do it, so why wouldn't we? Well, first of all, because it's a, it's a mandate of our faith. Um, basically, uh, every uh, every religion has uh, as at its core the mandate to love one another, uh, to think about justice for the most vulnerable, and speak truth to power. Uh, especially as Christians, uh, we are followers of Jesus. And uh, Jesus was didn't found a church; he founded a movement at the very beginning. And all that Jesus and acted upon was related to justice. 
let's not forget that Jesus was living under Roman occupation in first century Palestine um, and all the theological underpinning of his mission is related to uh, to love and justice and so as followers of Jesus Christ we cannot but be doing justice well. I mean it's the basis of our belief system. Um, you know, it, most of the people here are, are Christian and follow Jesus Christ and, and that's what he he preached. He preached justice and love. And there are so many people who call themselves Christians who I think lose that message. Because it's the basis of certainly my faith. Without justice, how can you even pretend to worship, you know, and believe in Jesus? as the son of God. God cares about justice. Um, I think that's a pretty clear theme in the scriptures. Pretty clear theme that um, Christ identifies with the oppressed. Um, so as we are called to follow Christ, I believe um, we are called to repent from the um, issues of injustice that we are a part of and called to seek that for our brothers and sisters, to seek justice for our brothers and sisters. Everyone is part of our story. Um, when Jesus talked about visiting those in prison and clothing the naked, it wasn't just something that he said, it's something that we are supposed to do. Um, as people of faith, when one part of our body is hurting, then all of our body is hurting. And so everyone is part of the body of Christ because that's what the gospel is, it's an issue of justice. Because it's on God's heart. If you read Isaiah, you read other places, it's on God's heart. It's his thing. You need to take care of the fatherless and the, and the widow. You need to, it's all throughout. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't go down because of sexual activity. They went down because they didn't care for the fatherless and the, and the widows and the orphans. And that's, that's, it's on God's heart. So if it's not on our heart, then there's something wrong with where our priorities and where we're putting things. It's his thing. I think that um, issues of justice are very biblical. I think that people of faith um, who are following Jesus know that he was a very much a proponent of working for justice issues and social justice in his time. And I think that that, um, that word is still relevant today. I think it's an important part of who we are as people up there. Well, I think that that is uh, central to the call of the gospel and Jesus' teachings in the New Testament, uh, also in the Old Testament. Um, but as a Christian and a Church of the Brethren Christian, I particularly pay attention to uh, stories in the New Testament and Jesus uh, going on the margins, uh, overturning the temple, uh, and the money changers. So I see a call to justice as being central to Jesus' teachings. Because that's the core of Jesus' message. I mean, we're supposed to love our neighbor, all of our neighbors, everywhere. I think that if you read the Bible, especially reading through Jesus' words in the Gospels, that you cannot help but be committed to justice because everywhere Jesus went, that's what he was doing, was preaching peace, waging peace, and seeking justice. And it doesn't end with Scripture, though certainly the call to work for justice begins there. Working for justice is also something that is just part of our identity and our tradition as followers of Christ. From the very early church that we read about in Acts 
all the way through to the civil rights movement and to modern justice movements today, the church has always been at the forefront of working for justice. We need to work for justice as people of faith to carry on this legacy that we have been entrusted with. Why work for justice? Because it's who we are. It's in our DNA. It's in our DNA. It's really important to us because we follow a God of justice. Because it's important as people of faith that we get involved with the just with justice movements because that's who we are and that's part of God's work. It's not part of God's work to promote separatist ideals, but to join people in to join people in unity so that we can achieve the peace that we aim to have. Because we worship a God who was assassinated by an unjust state, railroaded by a jury of his peers, and then hung from a tree. Um, I think it's at the very root of what our faith is about. I think that's what Jesus preached, and I think that's what we are supposed to follow in his footsteps caring about. Well, I'm a... Uh a United Church of Christ person, so I, I don't think there's a choice. It, it, it is um, literally a reflection of what uh, Jesus called us to do, which is to build up, which is to love others and love one another, and that Jesus was the original activist. So Christianity is all about justice and all about equity, and um, so in, from my perspective, there is no choice um, about if you are a Christian, therefore, if you are truly a follower of Christ, then you are truly a justice warrior. You are truly um, a peace walker. You are truly a change maker. Well, if we don't care about justice, I'm not sure what being people of faith is. <laughs> so I, you have to have the action part of it to... Uh, I think to live your faith and if it's true and meaningful to you that becomes something that you do. Finally, working for justice is just something that any decent human being should be expected to do. This is important to remember because while we might draw on our faith to work for justice, we will also be allied and partnered with people who work for justice for other reasons. Moreover, Often working for justice will bring us into spheres where faith has not always been deemed the most appropriate method for working to create justice. For instance, the separation of church and state in the political process prevents people of faith from applying their faith principles to other people as matters of public policy. This doesn't mean that as people of faith we shouldn't draw upon scripture or our faith principles when we seek to create a society that is more just. But it does mean that we need to be able to support our public policy solutions by using logic that is acceptable in the civic arena. After all, God isn't just the God of the Bible. He's also the God of economics, and he's also the God of science. Therefore, we need to be able to use economic and scientific reasoning when we make our case for just public policy. A lot of the people that I spoke to reminded me that justice isn't just a faith principle. Justice is also a principle that any person should be able to get behind. So even if the Sermon on the Mount is the inspiration for why we choose to promote justice, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't know the values articulated by the preamble of the United States Constitution. Because when I was a child, I learned that it was justice for all. 
and uh, some voice or another we've gotten away from justice for all. Faith is going to be the only avenue, in my opinion, that will address the political group. So let me rephrase that. The faith group is the only group that's going to be able to face the political group and have any success, I believe. If our brother is going through problem and what do, we should care, we should be our brother keeper. So we all should pull hands and uh, care for one another in that mostly when you talk about justice and this is uh, initiated uh, talk, talking about justice and we all as Christians we should take part. Because when we don't, uh, people suffer, they are harmed and, um, and that doesn't make God happy. And one person pointed out to me that maybe my question was phrased wrong all along. To the people I spoke to, to promote justice is such a clear call of scripture that the real question isn't why should Christians care about justice, but what gives Christians the right not to? <laughs> I'm trying to think a reasonable answer for why people of faith are permitted not to. To me and to I think everyone that I spoke to at Ecumenical Advocacy Days, the answer to his question is nothing. There is nothing that gives Christians the right not to care about justice. James chapter 2 verses 14 through 17 read, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So the challenge before us is to ask how. How can we as people of faith work to promote justice? This is the final question that I asked the people that I talked to at Ecumenical Advocacy Days. With Dunker Punks in mind, I specifically asked them, how can young people get involved in promoting justice? A lot of the people that I spoke to pointed out special characteristics that are unique to young people. We have energy, enthusiasm, passion, idealism. We have new skills and technology that a lot of older members of the church simply don't have. Actually, if young people like you don't get involved, we're in trouble because you're the future and you have the energy and you have the skills. A podcast is something new. There were no podcasts when I was your age. And you can spread the message. I, you have the energy, the, the knowledge, and this is what you should be called to do. I think uh, young people bring a particular energy and um, sense of invincibility. <laughs> and I think that's really helpful in uh, the work of justice, and I think it helps um, undergird um, the wisdom of our elders. Uh, it brings something different and it brings a different kind of wisdom and I am so excited for young people to get involved in the work of justice and I think they can do a lot of the same things people of different ages can do um, and maybe with different power depending on where they are and what they have access to but uh, paying attention and uh, standing up and claiming their voice the same way all of us do.
I think that young people today are idealistic in a way that most older generations are not. And so if they can find a way to use that voice of idealism and thinking that they can make a difference in the world, they'll be very successful. And getting involved in the Black Lives Matter movement and gun violence prevention are really great, easy ways for them to get involved. Volunteering, uh, young people have, in theory, the most energy, uh, maybe not the most time, but sometimes, but uh, the, just the, the earnestness to uh, learn and understand what's going on, uh, and then be able to put that in action. Have not been uh, weathered uh, like some of us have, and... Uh, Young people have skill sets of technology, skill sets of communication, and skill sets that the older generation that uh, my church has, 70 and 80 year olds, they, the young people have these skill sets that they don't. And they can communicate via social media, via their own opinions and their own life once they're involved or maybe not involved in the faith community. But I think the faith community will give them that that um, that weight that they should have. It's amazing to see all these young people here. That means that certainly you know, they have uh, uh, a lot of energy, a lot of uh, things to share with, uh, with their, their friends. I don't know. I think young people have a lot more leeway um, than maybe older people in doing seemingly foolish things. Yeah, I mean, yeah, young people have a lot more freedom uh, with, without necessarily established families, uh, with more opportunity to perhaps make up for mistakes of youth from an economic perspective. <laughs> yeah. Mistakes from an economic perspective, not any other. Uh, <laughs> emphasizing only speaking on that term. The old guard is either passing away, moving on to the next stage of the kingdom, or ready to pass things on. So absolutely, that's why young people need to be involved because what it means to be church is being decided in places like this. And so I believe new millennials have something incredible to offer. As a Gen Xer, I can see what they're up to and it's great. And so the church has to realize that A, um, they're lucky if they're invited to the table and B, it would be cool if we had some young people who understood that and what community we're organizing with. A lot of the people that I spoke to gave the same concrete answer for how young people of faith can get involved in promoting justice. Pretty much every Christian denomination has some sort of service program specifically created for young people to go serve a community in need of serving. There's lots of ways. I think. Um... Number one is is to just get involved and be engaged. I think that's one of the issues in our country, and and that's inspiring to people who are um, the same age as you are, and also people who are older. And then I think that there are a lot of denominations that have service opportunities for young adults. Um, the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, the United Church of Christ, the Lutheran Volunteer Corps. Lots of um, places have that if you're interested in like doing a summer or a year. Um, but just being involved and being aware and being educated um, and bringing that message to back to your faith community is a great way to be involved. My understanding is every denomination has the has a program that offers 
um, young people the ability to, to be connected to justice. I guess I'll go ahead and do the plug, um, oh, yeah. since actually the way that we know each other is through the Presbyterian Church USA's Young Adult Volunteer Program, which is a, can be a domestic or international service year um, uh, that each of us have participated in. And so there's our mini reunion. And I'll just note that the Church of the Brethren also has a lot of service opportunities for young people. Brethren Volunteer Service enables young people to go serve a community for a year or two years. If you're still in college, consider the Church of the Brethren's Ministry Summer Service Program. You can also work for On Earth Peace as an intern. They have a thriving internship program. A lot of the people that I spoke to agreed that one of the best ways that you can work as a young person to promote justice is to support one of the many justice movements that is happening in our country right now. For instance, you could join a Black Lives Matter protest or insist that your college campus divest from fossil fuels. College campuses across the country are hubs of activism and work for social justice, so there are plenty of opportunities for you to get involved. However, don't think that the only way for you to make a difference is to do something huge and groundbreaking. A lot of the people that I spoke to emphasize that the best way to begin working for justice is to start small. For example, it might not seem like much, but if you encounter an instance of racism in your family or among your friends, and you have the courage to speak up and say something, that's the type of action that over time can add up and make a real difference in society. The Dunker Punks emphasize personal transformation as the first step towards making a society that looks more like the kingdom of heaven. It is not until we start acting like Christ that we can begin to expect the world around us to look more like Christ's kingdom. I think everyone should, should start where they are um, and look at the situations that they're in, their own families, their own communities, um, and to examine themselves and see how in our own lives we contribute to injustice. Um, and I feel like that you have to start there before you can start um, seeking justice for other people. But yeah, starting where you are in your own communities. Yeah, I think uh, young people can uh, participate in uh, promoting justice, social justice, uh, by being a friend for uh, uh, their group. Like uh, you, you can play football together. Uh, you can hang on, uh, hang, hang, hang out with uh, your friends, and uh, just show them love, and uh, not preaching a lot, but just being with solidarity and being together in classroom or where you study. It is easiest way to be um, advocate of social justice and they, they, you can come to the next level of social justice like uh, pushing at political level or uh, county level but at personal level it is all about loving other, being in solidarity with other. That is why I believe. I see young people working for justice in a lot of different ways. Some of them are seeking ways to do that professionally, looking for opportunities and jobs that are really connected with nonprofits and faith communities that are doing justice work. But I think that some of the most important work, the most challenging work, is the work that goes unseen, the work that fits into our daily lives as we seek and go out into other parts of uh, perhaps you might say the more secular world. I think it's creating an awareness in themselves that enables them to recognize when injustice happens where they are. 
that equips them with the courage to speak up about it and the confidence to know that when they speak up and the response comes back that they have to keep speaking up and have to keep helping us discern in communities and groups where they're seeing it how to do differently. And oftentimes people think that they have to do, you know, something major, but sometimes it can be, you know, something it can be as simple as, you know, volunteering with the with the senior community or with the disabled community or at a shelter. And then from there you can build. So it's not it have to be overwhelming to people. Just start small and gradually build your way up. Because if you can help one person at least, then you are doing your job in promoting unity, peace, and peace. That's a real hard to say. It's a long time since I've been in the, in the, in the youth movement. But uh, there's a lot of ways they can get into it. They can begin to look at the list and see what's going on and, and look at it critically to see what is good, what is leading to uh, better lives for everyone and, and what is a detriment to it and can push themselves in the way they feel they should uh, push themselves in a society. Young people have a, an incredible potential to create relationships and friendships and, and humanizing relationships across communities and across borders and across boundaries um, that humanize issues. So it's not just about like that evil conservative or that evil liberal or that evil Muslim or that evil, it's just like, it's my friend and I know them and it's John and, it, and it's um, Sujin and, and uh, these people that I know whose lives are being um, significantly negatively impacted by these policies and by these decisions and by the people we vote for. Uh, and we need to change it because I love these people, they're my friends. That, yeah. It's people you know and love. Yeah. People you know of, you'll be willing to fight for. Yeah. Most of all, the people that I spoke to said that the best way for young people to get involved in working for justice is simply to know that our voices matter. If we stand up and we claim the power of our voices, we can and we will make a difference. A lot of well-meaning people in the church say that young people matter because we are the leaders of the future. And this is true. We are the leaders of tomorrow's church, but we are also the leaders of today's church, and we have a right to claim our seat at the table. I draw inspiration from the story of David and Goliath. As a young person, and as the runt of the family, everyone underestimated David. But ultimately, it was David who God called upon to confront and overcome Goliath. When we look at situations of injustice in our world, it's hard not to feel like we are up against Goliath. As young people, what can we do to match the political influence of the wealthy and of large corporations? As people of peace, how can we hope to compete with the culture of militarism created by the world's largest and most expensive military? It seems impossible. Yet it wasn't until David stood up and confronted Goliath, that he learned that the power of the Lord was on his side. Scripture makes clear that God thirsts for justice, that he pleads the case of the poor, of the orphan, of the widow, of the immigrant. When we stand up and we speak out for justice, we find that the Lord's power is with us. So this was the message 
most people at Ecumenical Advocacy Days had for young people who want to get involved in promoting justice. Just do it. Your voice has a lot more power than you think. I mean, it's very important that young people take the lead because as the old people pass away, the younger generation, they will be people that will have to carry these initiated or uh, tomorrow, I may have to carry out this initiated. I'm talking about jesting. So it is important that young people take the lead. Finding their passions, um, networking with others, and really believing that they can and actually do make a difference in the world. I think it's wide open. They just need to come and join us. And we're there is so welcome. Probably the most important uh, aspect of it is to empower young people's voices, uh, to create platforms for young people to come together uh, like it's been done here at Ecumenical Days. Uh, it's about uh, identifying young people who have the passion to organize other young people. So if we are able to do that, that's going to be much easier to involve uh, a greater number of young people in, in justice. Um, they can protest, they can um, just stand up every day against um, our privileged lives, um, against oppression in our everyday lives because it's systematic. So uh, just standing up and having a voice and um, using it for good, not evil or just apathy. I guess faith through action will all you can do and just get involved in it. Because especially, you know, like Gandhi and John Legend and everyone said, you know, be the change you really want to be. So, you know, be some change. Yeah. I think just making sure that knowing your voice is heard and your voice has, has power to it. Um, so many young people think that no one listens to them or, or their voice doesn't matter because they may be young, they may not be able to vote yet or, or whatever it may be. Um, but every single voice counts and every single voice can make a difference. So I think that's important to, to relay. Don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to speak up. One more way that you as a young person of faith can get involved in promoting justice is to go to dunkerpunks.com and fill out a Dunkerpunks profile about how you are being a disciple of Jesus. This week, I encourage you to meditate on the questions that I asked the people in this podcast to answer. First, 
Why should you as a person of faith care about justice? What scriptures or traditions inspire you to want to go and make the world a better place? And second, what can you as a young person do to actually go and work to promote justice? Think of one concrete step that you could take right now to make the world around you look a little bit more like the kingdom of heaven and to make yourself look and act just a little bit more like Jesus. If you ever need to talk to someone to bounce ideas off of, or you need some help getting a justice project off the ground, you can always come talk to me. Email me at emmetteldred at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at emmetteldred. I'm always eager to know how you feel called to create justice, and I'm always eager to help. I want to conclude this episode by inviting you to join me in praying one of my favorite prayers. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying to ourselves that we are born again to eternal life. Amen. I have a lot of people to thank for this episode. I want to start by saying thank you to On Earth Peace, who enabled me to go to Ecumenical Advocacy Days. In particular, I want to thank Marie Rhodes and Sarandon Smith, who really helped me get to Ecumenical Advocacy Days. I also want to thank the people that allowed me to interview them at Ecumenical Advocacy Days, and I want to say a big thank you to First Plymouth United Methodist Church in Lincoln, Nebraska, who gave me permission to use their choir's recording of A Place at the Table. That's the song that you're listening to right now. As always, thank you so much for listening to the Dunker Punks podcast. Please share it with your friends. And then why don't you go out and go create a little bit of justice. Amen. so much together with these interviews and his commentary. So, he asked the question, do you care about justice? He and all those interviewed make a clear case for Christian advocacy. When Emmett first created the DunkerPunks.com, it was to make it easy to join up, to be part of a group that follows Jesus, to not only encourage each other, but be a point of action. If you have been motivated by listening to all these people, their suggestions will help you get started. First, create a Dunker Punks profile so you can be part of this movement of people who follow Jesus. Advocacy is one very important action step. 
Start small. Use your friendships and make a difference in their lives. Then use email or social media to contact your representatives in Washington and voice your opinion about voting rights availability and restoration. Your voice is the first step in justice for all. Talk to Emmett by Twitter or email or through the DunkerPunks.com website. Or contact us on Snapchat or anywhere you find the Dunker Punks pod. Remember, sharing this podcast is a first step that commits you to action. And it feels good to know that you are part of this movement. The Dunker Punks podcast is a collaboration amongst a dozen or so contributors who seek to be instruments of the Lord's peace. Find links to all our social sites on our show page, arlingtoncobb.org slash dpp. There's also a link to the Dunker Punks page at dunkerpunks.com where you can report on and read what you and others are doing to create a little bit of justice. Thanks to Suzanne Lay and Jacob Krauss for their work on the Dunker Punks podcast. We say goodbye today with this blessing of Jesus' words from Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age.